0: It's Oklahoma Archery, everything archery based out of Oklahoma for Oklahoma. Let's get it started. Hello, everybody. We're live on an Oklahoma Archery podcast. I'm David Bosca. I'm Neil Cooley. Matt Hudson. And that's right. We got a great guest today and everything Matt Hudson. Matt, tell everyone uh, where you're from and what makes you a great guest.
1: <laughs> I don't know what makes me a great guest at all, but um, I'm from, I live, I live about 45 minutes south of Tulsa, uh, a town called Old Mogi. Well, I guess everybody here would know that, but um, that's pretty much it. And as far as being a great guest, I guess, cause I'm good looking. I
0: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like your style. <laughs> Um, well neil to you why don't you bring him in let's just get started i say for
2: everybody that doesn't know matt he's won just about anything out there a couple years ago he showed up to uh tulsa archery our home club back up there in uh, sperry oklahoma and back in the day he used to shoot a little bit of trad and he was one of the several several individuals that tried this bear bow thing out and uh Matt's a little bit better at it than a lot of your than a lot of your average barebow shooters. So he's, he he shoots a little bit of everything. He's he's been on the top of the podiums at a bunch of ASAs, and uh, last year he was the 2023 male barebow champion at the Lancaster Classic. So I figured it'd be a good time to get him on. Everybody in the world's getting ready to travel to Pennsylvania in the middle of winter time. So. We wanted to bring him on and kind of talk about not only his setup, but the the mentality to go succeed on the world stage. Um, we'll put the we'll put the video link when we post this episode, so y'all can watch the watch the shootdown. It's probably one of the most entertaining um, styles of archery you could you could watch. And I think they they ran the numbers on it, and it had had many many times more viewers than any other discipline so there's a there's a lot of people out there that like shooting barebow and I just wanted to kind of get his take on it and see what's changed since last year and what his practice schedules been like and and what do you what do you think about going to a, a big shoot you're the uh, you're the defending champion
1: man so on, I mean obviously there's a little bit more pressure I think but um you know I'm just really just trying to kind of go into it like like no different than last year you know just just go in and just plan on really having a good time and not worry so much about winning because I think that's where a lot of people get hung up you know because you know like after Lancaster last year uh coming off winning over there you know I went to Vegas and I shot well at Vegas but I it was a different it was definitely a different uh a different feeling you know going to shoot another big tournament because I you know I had a lot more eyes on me uh, a lot more people kind of expecting things and I tried not to a little bit. You know, it creeped in a little bit for sure. But I tried not to, you know, not to let it, you know, go go too deep. I guess you know, just tried not to worry about anything else other than just shooting what I can shoot. You know, just expect to do how you should do. Whenever you start expecting to, you know, if you're a, you know, uh, in Berba, this is going to sound a little different for a lot of the compound guys. But if you're a two seventy shooter, you know, and you show up to a big tournament, and you expect to shoot two eighties. It's just, you know, it's just not going to happen, you know, so being realistic, I think is the biggest thing there, but so it's definitely a little different, little different, uh, mindset, I think maybe going into it now.
2: I say, was it a different, uh, cause you, you've won big tournaments before. I know you've, I know you've cleaned the ASAs, uh, just absolutely put on a clinic. Was it different being in the spotlight, be, being in front of everybody, last year at Lancaster
1: yeah you know that's it's kind of funny because um whenever you're up there and I'm sure it's the same way for all the compound guys because the lighting's pretty much all the same but I couldn't see anybody other than the guy that I was shooting against you know like it's the lights directly on you and the lights directly on the target so everything else left and right like you're pretty closed out it's pretty cool honestly it's a you can hear it is the thing you know um, but you can hear those cameras running around, but as far as like, uh, you know, as far as shooting there and you thinking you have a lot of eyes on you, it doesn't really feel that way. Cause you can't really see that Vegas is a little different story. You can see, you can see all those people, you know, so really, truly, I think Vegas was, was harder as far as that goes to maintain your mental side, you know, cause as we all know now, that's,
0: it's about 90% of the problem we all have. So while you were sitting there at Lancaster, standing on that box and that button sitting down in front of you, could you hear the announcers over there on the side chatting and talking?
1: You know, there was one point where I did, um, and it was where I, sh- I think I shot my best end. Uh, I think I shot like a 33 end on there, but I could hear them talk chatting a little bit over there at that point. But, you know, at that point we was really far into it and it was, it was kind of over at that point. Um, you know, the other fellow had a, had a pretty rough, rough arrow before that.
2: But yeah, I, I just got done. I just got done watching the finals again because it's by far the best shoot off video I've ever seen. <laughs> my, my favorite part is, Matt, it's once again time for you to talk to the guy with the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody in there is trying to, you know, plug a sponsor or get a laugh or just kind of ease the tension and just the, yep, nope, anyone can do it. And yeah. I think, I think that's probably the best thing for growing the sport is having a division where you can go from shooting trad, you know, how a couple three or four years ago and be at the absolute top of the pack for a, a very deep, very competitive group. I mean, across any discipline of archery, bear is growing at, a huge rate compared to everybody else. It's even, it's pulling people from other divisions, not only that, but it's pulling people from other sports. So, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a huge thing for our listeners that are like, yeah, you know, my kid might shoot, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do the compound thing. I don't want to work on a site and I don't want to, you know, do this and that, but I know there's plenty of technical things you can tune, um, and you've changed your, you've changed a little bit in your setup this last year. So, I mean, yep. went from the, how do you say it? Hilo? Gilo?
1: Risers? No, I, well, I was shooting that at first, but then I went to the CD and then, okay. uh, you know, Calvin and Dwayne. And then I, you know, had switched over to Hoyt after, well, after Vegas last year. Yeah.
2: Okay. Was it something so. that was. Was it performance based to something they came out with that you liked, or was it just a a better feel?
1: Uh, You know, honestly, my old bow shot really, really good. Um, But I had had, you know, the limbs that I shot Lancaster with, I hunted with in Colorado the year before. And I rolled that bow probably 40 times down the side of a hill, you know, or mountain, I guess. And my limbs were actually cracked um, at that, at all those tournaments last year, but so I was going to have to buy something new anyway, you know, but you know, I'd had a fellow approach me over there. Um, I, I, his name was Jeremy, something or other, but he, you know, he'd worked for Hoyt, uh, really nice guy, but he approached me and asked me if I ever wanted to try, one. to give him a call, you know? So I was like, well, now's as good a time as any, you know, I may as well try one out cause I'm gonna have to buy something anyway, you know? So I kind of made that switch and I liked the bow that I got off of him and they they came out with a couple different other models and had a couple different models you know so i i kind of went back and forth and ended up uh you know I, I shoot for them now hoyt man they were they were super easy to deal with and they kind of offered me a, a spot to shoot on their pro staff stuff so which was super cool you know um one bearboat doesn't pay very much um almost nothing at all and about anything other than lancaster <laughs> Like ASAs, you you know you, you may at a national tournament, you know you're you're gonna make maybe 200 bucks, you know. So, like having having a, a company kind of jump on board, a big company jump on board, and that's willing to help, willing to pay contingencies, willing to do this and that. It was pretty awesome, you know. So that was that was kind of where I went, and it was it wasn't for the money. Um, it was definitely I liked the equipment for sure, but on the way never, never hurts
0: either.
2: I understand. Tell everybody real quick. And, and I, you have to forgive me. I might not be as familiar with some of the terminology and lingo run them, run them through your setup, tell them who you what you're shooting, who you're shooting for real quick, just so people at home that might not might not know um, what's even out there and available for barebow. What's the, uh, what's the top of the top like to shoot?
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm shooting a, it's a Hoyt XD, which is an Olympic riser. Um, it's not a barebow specific riser, but it's an Olympic riser. Um, and I'm shooting their, their Axia foam limbs. So just, uh, you know, they, they offer, so in a, a lot of different manufacturers will offer a foam limb or a wood core limb, you know, and really the difference is in a little bit of speed and a little bit of feel, um, they're really similar and you got to get so far along before you can tell the difference, but like, um, Olympic people will kind of know all that, you know, um, We'll we'll know all the differences there, or even a lot of trad guys, you know, uh, more modern trad guys for sure. We'll, we'll kind of know some of those differences, but as far as what I'm shooting, I'm shooting that XD in those axial limbs, a biter plunger, um, and I'm not going to be very good at explaining what a plunger does, <laughs> but I shoot one of those, and I sh- I do shoot. It's not quite a drop away rest, but it is a rest that you know whenever tension comes off of it it will actually pull itself in and get out of the way um so it's essentially like a drop weight like on a compound and then uh other than that man i just run all of i, I got hoyt come out with a weight as barebow specific and that's super cool because it fits within world archery rules um so How much does it pay? uh so it goes it's really cool because it's like modular so you can have it in a 20 30 and i think a 40 ounce um man and it's super cool and there's something in it and i didn't even know this until i got it in the mail but um it's it's got something in it that dampens um the bow and you know in bow, the vibration on a bow is is pretty heavy you know so it's it's a pretty big thing but uh that dampens the the vibration and it's it's pretty awesome Uh, It's a pretty cool little setup, you know, and it was barebow specific designed.
2: And you're, are you running it as the, the full 40 ounces?
1: No, I'm, I'm actually running the 20 ounces in the front. And then I've got 12 ounces on the back and then in each limb pocket where the limbs would connect. There's actually a spot there where you can put more weights and Hoyton builds a couple of weights there but there's another company that builds them and it's called Ramrods Olympic people will know about it too. Um, and they're actually tungsten weights. So instead of like the one and a half, um, ounce weights that Hoyt offers, there's our three. So it's kind of a, just another way to move weight around and kind of figure out balance.
2: Helps so Dave, a little bit. just to catch you, Dave, to catch you up, we're talking about all the innovations that Hoyt's doing for the, uh, for the barebow recurve crowd. Um, what pounds or poundage are your limbs? How much are you pulling for indoor?
1: Yeah. So my limbs are 34 pounds. Um, but on the fingers and you know, you can adjust those bows a little, little bit away, not a huge amount, but, um, I've got them turned in a little bit, a little ways, but on the fingers, I'm sitting at like about 38 and a half, which is typically more than I like. I really, I know I'm a big guy, but, you know i really like about that 36 pound you know two pounds is a pretty big difference on the fingers you know as you know you know you can tell a difference on you know holding weight on a compound two pounds you know so um it's a it's a pretty big difference there but so fairly light compared to olympic you know um just because the aiming method i think you know is a lot of it
2: okay okay 34 crank down to thirty-eight with uh twenty on the twenty on the riser, twelve on the back, and a little bit in the limb pockets. That's a pretty that's a pretty heavy bow. That's a uh
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how heavy, but it's it's all there for sure.
2: He- heavy enough to make it sit when you're trying to execute.
1: Yeah, man, it and it is the calmest um calmest setup that I've I've ever shot. And I've shot a bunch of different bows, you know, I uh, get to I've played with a ton of different ones and that one definitely sets better, you know, than, than any other one that
2: I've had. Okay. So just for, uh, just for clarification, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, say you get to Lancaster and you're, you know, you're feeling strong, you're feeling weak. Uh, will you add weight anywhere to that bow? It, based on how you're holding and shooting on the day of or the uh, even at the tournament or are you 100 it's set up the right way i'm just going to shoot it
1: yeah no i am probably i would probably just run it like it sits and um you know if and if i get to where i'm i'm hold i'm having a hold like lefts or rights i'll definitely make adjustments um but like as far as just holding no i won't make any weight adjustments at all
2: so is that adjustments in your plunger tension left and right yeah
1: yeah plunges yeah and sometimes i'll change center shot if you know if it's it's really off because you know the thing about it is is you don't have a draw check or you don't have a draw stop you don't have you know all those things so you know like mobility and flexibility comes into play a lot um like you know you you know when you get out and shoot your bow whether it be a compound or any of that you're you're a little more loose some days a little more tense so all that kind of matters and then or definitely matters pretty hugely in my world but You know, so you just make adjustments as you go. And and that may be, you know, cranking three clicks or, you know, three revolutions on a plunger or something, you know. So according to light, you know, just like y'all would do with a compound, make adjustments left to right there.
2: Okay, so that's something that y'all are allowed to adjust on the fly. There's no rule against it or uh, number of adjustments in around you. You've got free use to adjust as as you see fit for the lighting and the, the way you're shooting right then.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure about all organizations on that because I'm I'm terrible with the rules, but uh, I'm I'm I know at Lancaster we can for sure.
2: I would say well, they're all they're all different, and and I, yeah, I think that are. that's that part of the appeal for bare bow is, I mean, you got a lot of guys that, that, you know, they like shooting trad, they like shooting off the shelf. And for those people that like to tinker and tune a little bit, you can tune just as much on a barebow as you can on a compound. I mean, adjusting the way your limb pocket oh, yeah. sit, your center shot and your holding weight and everything down to finding that sweet spot. Um, I think it's, I think it's a, for somebody that doesn't understand it all, it's fascinating to watch in, in real time, just because seeing people reach down there and change the plunger tension, you know, I'm hitting, I'm hitting left. Let's take it back in. Um, or vice versa. I really don't know how they adjust. Um, is it, is it pretty typical when you get to different venues that you're going to make an adjustment there based on the lighting? Like if you go to Vegas between the different uh, the different halls with kind of the old lighting and the new lighting or the arena. Is it something that you go in there and expect to have to, to to make an adjustment or is it usually pretty spot on if you're doing your part?
1: No, I mean, you can, you can definitely, so you can do your part all you want to, but the difference in where the lights placed will shine differently on the tip, especially the bigger diameter arrows, you know, that matters a little bit more, which I do shoot those 23s, but So yes, I will, um, you, you almost certainly have to make those adjustments at every different, you know, venue, um, room at Vegas, you know, it was the same way and, you know, it was all, it was all different. So you do have to learn how to make some adjustments on the fly. And then the biggest thing I think is a lot of people get hung up that are very good shots. They'll, you know, they'll be shooting one room. Like I noticed in Vegas last year to the left, you know, eight ring left or something, just just put them in there and they just refuse to make the different, you know, to, to make that adjustment, you know, and I've always been pretty open to that and I'm not sure why um, maybe because I'm like fairly new to the target archery world, you know, just, you know, within a couple of two or three years old on it. So maybe I just didn't know that you should or shouldn't do that, <laughs> you know, but making those adjustments is a must. And it definitely is something you pretty much do every time you go somewhere
2: try to get there, try to get there early and, and be able to sight in with the lighting and, and know what your, know what your, your circumstances are going to be. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, let's put you in, let's say you land in Lancaster and you're setting up there. You go up to the practice range and you go down first into practice, second into practice. Are you hitting it after the first arrow or you wait until one full setup to make that decision? Yeah, so, you know,
1: if I shoot two good shots right off the bat and they don't hit where I want them to, I'll make an adjustment. Um, But anything, you know, and I've had to make an adjustment halfway through a round, Um, you know, and I'm not sure why. It's just being like kind of going back to being tense or or whatever, you know. That kind of stuff just happens a little bit. But that's the biggest thing is no one say, okay, you know, I made a good shot, but I'm still hitting left or I'm still hitting right. I need to make an adjustment because it all the time in Berbo, it's not who's the best shot because there's really just you know, like a smoking score for us is a two eighty-five, you know. So like um, it's not always who's the best shot because there's a lot of people that can shoot that. It's who can correct their mistakes the fastest, you know. So it's like who can who can get it figured out the quickest, you know. So that that's a lot of it. Um and you've gotta, you just got to trust what you're doing. Trust the process of, of what you're doing,
0: for sure. I've got a saying in the meat business, and it kind of goes with that right there. We always said the meat business is very circumstantial. The more circumstances you've been in, the more you know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what you're just talking about. Those that can yep. make those changes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I've, yeah, I've, I've, been there before. I know if I do how, if I do it the right way, it's going to land where it should. And the most frustrating thing is figuring out why is it going left? What, what has changed that you're not aware of? And it might be, you know, you're kind of nerved up, you know, you might be excited. And I think that's, that's part of shooting archery is if it doesn't get you excited, you're not in the right place, you know, oh, yeah. it, it maybe, yeah. maybe golf's your thing, but you'd add, uh, t- tell me if I'm wrong. Didn't you have some kind of issue with a spring last year at Vegas and you were pulling apart ballpoint pins to look for a look for a half a spring or something like that?
1: Yeah, man. I I definitely don't want to mention any company names on the plunger that I was using, but um I had really good luck with them before. I shot a really good first round, you know, a a solid first round. I think I shot like a it was either seventy six or seventy seven. And um, you know, and then we shot the other round, I think it was the next day and half the round, I think I shot a 144 half, which is really, really good, you know. And I I'd set my bow down and at that point my bow had like the these lugs that were built into the bow and it kind of just sat down nice and easy by itself without having to stand. Well I'd kicked it over and it landed on the plunger and I didn't think anything of it because I've done that a billion times, you know, and that plunger got given to me by a guy from Kansas, uh, named Spanky Brooks, but you know, it, so it's super old. I mean, that thing's probably 140 years old, <laughs> you know, I have no idea, but, uh, so I got it and I started shooting again and it was just real sporadic, just all over the place. And I was like, man, these the shots feel great, you know? And like the third end, I looked, I looked down, no, it was probably like the it was actually the eighth end, I guess I'd looked at whenever I drew back, I'd seen my plunger button was pushed in and there was a gap, you know, between it and my arrow. So my arrow wasn't even touching the plunger. And I, I was like, you know, I almost immediately knew what had probably happened and uh, you know, but that's all you I had to keep shooting. And I did not know that you could call breakdown. So there it goes back to the rules, know the rules and, and it'll, it could save you. <laughs> But, uh, so I shot the rest of that half. I think I, sh- I shot a terrible half. I was on pace for a 288, which is a crazy score for me, you know, and I basically ended up shooting like a 266, maybe 267, uh, which is not terrible, not a bad score. Like I wasn't super duper upset. I was just upset with what had happened, you know, and essentially I went to the booth that the company I had their plunger with I tried to get a spring after I found out the spring, you know, was, uh, broke and, uh, they didn't have one. I tried to buy a plunger. They didn't have one. And so long story short, I broke apart every pin that I could find and found a spring and I ended up chopping it down and kind of recoiling it slightly, put it in the plunger and I got it to work. And the next day I came back, I thought, I think, and I'm not sure of the score. So, cause I don't really keep up with a whole lot of it, but I think I shot like a 286 or something like that. I shot a really good score the next day. Yeah. I shot a super good, man. I was, I was tickled to death and I still got third at Vegas. So I was super happy with that, you know, but you know, and those, those things happen, you know, that was old equipment, that plunger that I had, like it was realistically probably 10 years old at least, you know, but,
2: uh, you between know, between so you and just, you and Spanky, I mean, you guys shoot a lot, so you know yeah. if it's a if it's a moving part and it's had a decade of high volume use, you you can expect this. And it's not just the the new guys and the beginners and the unprepared. It could you could be coming off a Lancaster win seventy two hours prior and go to Vegas and all of a sudden you're basically performing surgery on internal mechanism in your rest
1: yep exactly yep it can happen with anything for sure so you know if anybody decides to get into it it's pretty important to check your check your nuts and bolts and you know check all that stuff just like you would on any other
2: bow just a just a side question do you have a backup plunger now that you've tuned and taken off and then put your one that stays on the bow on so if it gets kicked over and it breaks you put another one Uh, put another one right on. Do you have a backup? Do you have that spring for your, I know you're shooting a different plunger. Now you're shooting a different rest. Do you have backups you keep with you?
1: You know, I, I have a backup rest that, um, I don't, I didn't really even think about keeping with me until you just mentioned it. So it'll go, I'll put it in the bag, but the plunger, the really nice thing about those plungers that I'm using now is, um, it comes with a bunch of springs. So I've got everything to just, and I know my marks. Like, so it, the I'm using a biter plunger. Um, there's marks on that that have numbers on it. So, you know, if like you're at five and a half, then if I got to pull a plunger out or a spring out and replace it, I can just go right back to five and a half. It's super simple. takes three seconds. I could do it while I would be on stage if need be. You know what I mean? So that is a, and you could with the other brand I had also, but I don't know. I don't think it come with extra ones and, they may now, um, I'm not sure, but you know, just, I just know what I got now works really well and I'm happy with it now. So I just kind of stick, stick with it.
2: I understand. I understand. Dave, we have not yet got into what arrows he's shooting. I know there, I know they're are 23s, but I was going to wait till you got back. Cause I know Dave loves building arrows.
0: Well, Matt, I, I was shooting up at TAA with Rick Gillia. It's probably about a year ago. Matt was in there shooting with someone else and you were really talking about, uh, it was a skinny arrow and I believe it was a victory one with the stainless steel in it or the metal mesh or something. And then you said you'd switch to the 23s. What, what arrow are you shooting now?
1: I'm still shooting a 23. Um, and you know, really, I I think that, um, I, I th- uh, so I'm shooting a victory VTAC 23, and then guys, the- I got
0: another truck, so I'll, I'll be. Oh, you're good. All right, <laughs> that's Dave, Nature of Dave the
2: beast. Dave loves his era builds, and he could do it in his sleep. And I usually end up with most of the ones he's discarded at a about an eighth of the new about an eighth of the price so if anybody needs oh, yeah. some arrows out there i've got everyone dave's ever built sitting in my room um so point weight you're aiming point on i assume with your crawl at 20 or no yeah yeah so i'm
1: i'm yep yeah, my so that my tip is sitting on the bottom of the gold whenever i aim so okay. i'm essentially point on i'm not actually touching the x and I would, if that, if I could see well enough to make that happen, I just can't. Um, but yep. So point weight, I'm shooting 120 grains. So the night, that's the nice thing about barebow too, is, you know, with trad, you kind of got to tune the arrow to the bow, you know, you, you not know, kind of, you do with, you know, with barebow, I can, I can go way inside a center, way outside of center, I got the plunger. I've got, you know, all these different things to help me. I got tiller bolts so I can get uh, almost any arrow to fly. So, you know, I'm shooting 38 pounds. I'm shooting a 480 spine VTAC with 120 up front. And the arrows cut down actually to from throat to knock to the end of the carbon. I'm sitting at a 30 and a quarter. So I've cut, you know, an inch, two inches off of it. Is Basically. that,
2: is that to, uh, is that to adjust your highs and lows with the setup or is no. that something you do with your crawl?
1: Nope. Yeah. So I just do that with my crawl, but that was actually, you know, oddly enough, I, that arrow came in for me weak, um, which I have a, you know, I have a long draw. I'm about 30 and three quarter actually of a draw, but the plunger and, and you measure to the end of the shelf there, but the, so the plunger comes back about an inch and three quarters, I think. So really I can get by with shooting that super short arrow, you know, but um, which helps a little bit, but
2: uh, yeah. Have you tried anything bigger than a 23 for indoor or is 23 about most you want to go?
1: No. So that is a rule actually. You can only shoot 23 or less. Yeah. But no, I haven't. So, so I never really have went down that. Um, But I would, if I could probably, (laughs)
2: If it was, if it was in the rules, you would attempt to experiment with a little bit bigger shaft.
1: Yeah, probably so.
2: Okay. I was, I was not aware that they capped you guys at 23. That's kind of interesting.
1: Yep. Yeah. Which, you know, it's pretty, um, it's really not super common to have people shooting 23s either though, just because of the spine thing, you know, like a lot of people are shooting 35 pound bows. So, you know, typically, unless you got a super long draw, you know, like what I do, it's very hard to, you know, to get a 480 spine to tune. You know, most people are sitting at six or 700 spine arrows.
2: I got you. Or or more even, you know. Well, we got the, uh, we got the point and we got the arrow. What about the, what about the other end? Are you shooting, uh, you shooting pin, uh, shooting a single spot? I I assume you would shoot pin knocks or not so much.
1: Yep. Yep. No, I'm shooting a biter pin knock and I'm just using whatever factory pin adapt or pin, you know, thing that comes in the VTAC. I was going to say, yeah, you,
2: you probably go through some knocks, don't you?
1: You know, I mean, last year I went through a ton of them, and for whatever reason, maybe I'm just not shooting as good. I don't know, but, you know, normally you I'll got, break a couple knocks a week.
2: You got good enough this year that you can aim around them in the X-ring, yeah. you know, <laughs> just, just, just three-leaf clover them down there in the 11. Yeah, hopefully that's the case. What kind of veins are you running on it?
1: I'm just I'm actually using I just switched I switched to a I had some three inch feathers on a three fletch and then I tried a four fletch and then I tried a five inch three fletch, and I actually, for you know i I guess it's kind of the old thing is true about you know the bigger the feather, the the more forgiving it is because they did seem to shoot a little bit better. I, and the okay. nice thing about those feathers is you just clearance is not much of an issue. You know, like I don't have to worry about like rotations of anything to really, you know, get things dialed in. So you're shooting like a spin wing or something. It's always a little bit of a pain in the rear for me anyway.
2: Is that because you have that drop away style rest? Is that something you're now able to do or could you do that last year with a regular plunger and flipper?
1: Yeah, no, I could, I could do
2: it last year too. Okay. I tell people all the time that uh, that any given bow might like any arrow and you got to try a couple of different ones just depending on what cam or poundage or let off or it, it you never really know. So if you have the ability to test and, and, and kind of just tune and tinker a little bit, there might be something out there that is very, very forgiving that's close to what you have, but not really what you're shooting. So I, yep. I the bear, the barebow people with the arrow selection absolutely fascinates me. I saw when dad's first started trying it, he had full length aluminum arrows and usually just three fletch. I don't think he's ever run four on anything, but he would try different lengths and point weights. And I thought it was a rule of barebow that you had to shoot different arrows every week. I mean, <laughs> I, I, did, I don't think, I don't think I saw him shoot the same arrow two times out for probably three to four months it seems like and just trying to get the weight right to where he could aim point on and and get him to fly and find that kind of happy medium between okay this one shoots but this one I can I can aim where I want to or I can aim somewhere consistent um kind of for the the people that don't understand it it's it's kind of like watching you know voodoo witch magic but I understand if you know what you're doing it probably makes sense pretty quickly to you
1: Yeah. And it's definitely something you, you know, especially at Burbo, you definitely got to, you know, try, you know, as many as you can, because what works for, you know, a lot of guys just may not work at all for you. You know, like I've, I know for, I've got friends that shoot 700 spine arrows full length and I'm just like, man, I, I've actually tried to shoot one of his arrows and it almost broke coming out of my bow you know, just being super duper weak. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to skip that one. And it could be a lot of the way that I release the string. It could be, you know, a hundred different things, but spine charts are not always, um, not always the end all be all
2: for sure. It's a, it's a rough estimate that you you use it like a tool. It's not, it doesn't determine what area you shoot. It just says, you know, Hey, this is a good place to start or this one will be stiff or this one will be weak up hey he's 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 back again
0: we're <laughs> i'm gonna up. have to go listen to the podcast to see what's going on and
2: <laughs> it, we're we're diving down rabbit hole after rabbit hole on how these guys find a find a forgiving arrow that allows them to shoot point on or, or pretty close to point on is that what they call it point point of aim
1: Well, yeah, they would call it that in trad, but with the string walking thing, it's that all that becomes non-existent because you can make it whatever you want. Yep. But yes, some people prefer a super long crawl or a, or a short crawl, or, you know, it just depends. In my opinion, the closer you can get the arrow, like up to your eye, the easier it is to aim. And a lot of people don't like doing that because, uh, well, I don't really know why to be honest I, it's just so much easier to aim um but the tuning part of it you know they're like no it'll never tune but i i, I get them to tune and i'm you know and I, i'm a good shot but i'm not the best shot for sure there's people that are way better shots than i am that um you know 20 yards with a bare bow anyway you don't really need the best tuned arrow you just need whatever hits you know last year if i bare shafted my arrow it would not have hit that bale. there's no way it was a half a mile off. I mean, it was way off. So that ought to be interesting enough for you. <laughs> what
2: what direction was it off is my question.
1: Weak, super weak. And I shot a PS 23 with about a, I think I had an, a quarter or a half inch cut off of it. Um, but the other thing that was super weird is I shot, uh, I shot a 170 grains up front. In a four fledged four and a half inch feather.
2: Okay, that's 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 quite a bit of vein on there, or quite yep. a bit of feather. I'm sorry. Um, yep. Man, that's a uh, so. How long does it does it take realistically for you to switch bows, switch limbs, switch rests, uh, change basically the whole the whole setup? You know, new new weight system, everything. How long did it take to get ready for indoor season? Is it something you, you know, threw it together in a day and a half and you're ready to roll or was this like 5 months of pulling your hair out going, why won't it huh. shoot? What, what did it did it come together easy? Did, was it a good recipe? Was it a bad recipe?
1: So, yeah, the the first bow that I got, um I had a I had a pretty hard time with for for whatever reason, I don't know. And um I got that second bow, which is what I'm shooting now, that XD and honestly, I put it together and within about, I would say probably two or three hours, like I had it shooting exactly like I would want. Um, it was really, really, and I'm not sure that it's just a much more forgiving bow, but it definitely agreed with me more, um, which is odd because they, they're not super different. You know, they, they are different. Uh, the design's a little different. Like the grip has moved down a little bit further than center on the new one that I'm shooting versus it being in the center on the other one, you know? So there's some differences for sure, um, on the geometry of everything, but it just worked out better somehow. So, uh, bows do matter. Um, you know, but I don't think they matter until you get to a certain point, especially if you're shooting bare bow, you know? So for people new starting, just get a cheap used bow and you can, you know, you can, okay with it you know figure it out and there's no point in spending two thousand dollars on a setup you know to find out if you don't you know you like it or you don't so definitely you can get a cheap setup for three or four hundred bucks and and feel pretty good with it because i did shoot a super duper cheap bow in paris at my first asa and you know i got third with it and figured that figured out that i could i wasn't terrible you know (laughs) and so (laughs) uh and I shot it for a while and it shot great. It was a good bow. You know, it was a jell g G2. It's just one of their cheaper bows. I think brand new. They're like 230 bucks maybe, or they used to be three years ago, but I guess, you know, they might be 700 or 800 now. I don't know.
2: I think you're, I think you're to something there when you're either starting out and brand new and you, you take that step from your first beginner setup or something used or maybe even handed down or, or, you know, borrowed you get that new equipment and all of a sudden you think, man, now I'm supposed to add five, 10 points to my score. And y'all, it just doesn't happen that way. It not only does it take time to become familiar with that riser, but you know, even bare bow compound trad Genesis bow, it's what you put into it that is, is going to be your, your results. And I think you can, you can really lead yourself down a, a, a real dangerous way of thinking if you think that, you I mean you got to have good equipment. It's got to be solid, but it's not going to do the work for you. It's going to be it's going to be the guy holding it.
0: 100%. Yep. I would agree totally. Well, let's look at Tournament Trail. What's your plans for this year? What are you going to try and hit on all? <clears throat> I'm going to try, you know, last year I did not go to one local
1: ASA, so I'm going to try to go to as many of those as I can get a hold of. And uh you know, I was going to try to go to the Columbia for that 50 meter deal for the usa and i'm i don't think i'm gonna be able to make it you know we just finished up a house sold our old house last year lived in a camper for five or six months which was bad enough to where i just kind of want to stay home a little bit now (laughs) not 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 go too many places but as far as tournaments i'll go to you know lancaster uh vegas i'm going to try to go do the usa indoor nationals and then also just the indoor nationals um and I'll go to some ASA, some 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 bigger stuff, too, maybe, you know, like Tennessee I'll go to. Um, and I'll definitely be going to outdoor nationals in Texas since they moved it way south. I'll definitely go to that. It's a 50-meter game. It's a really, really fun. It's a good
0: time. So It's a really fun time. So, speaking of the tournaments, describe, like, right now, this is the, basically the week of Lancaster. What, what is Matt's preparation? What what do you do? Do you shoot a, a ton of arrows? Do you just kind of hit and miss it and just look at your equipment and pack it and fly? And so so what's a, what's a tournament week look like for Matt? You know, last year I shot
1: a ridiculous amount of arrows. I mean, I couldn't even begin to tell you, but I shot before work. I came in an hour and a half early and I shot before work. I shot after work. I shot you know, several hours, Saturday, several hours, Sunday. And now, you know, this year I've just been super busy, you know, with work and the house and stuff like that, but I've been putting some arrows down range a lot here lately. So, you know, I get up a little earlier, head into work and I'll shoot for, you know, I'll shoot for 30 minutes or so before work before everybody starts showing up mainly because it's heated in there, you know, and I've got a shop in my house, that I had a piece, like I had a room built onto that way I could actually shoot 20 yards in my shop. But the problem is it's been so cold and my shop is so big and the ceilings are just super tall. So I can't keep it warm enough to shoot in. So I just really, I probably wasted my money doing that. But, uh, you know, I'm shooting probably 60, 60, 70 arrows, maybe in the morning right now. And I'm trying to shoot some Some of the evening, but you know maybe this will be a good thing, but we had that bad ice you know yesterday, so I go to walk out on my porch to come to work and ended up pretty horizontal in the air and slid down all seven of my stairs and landed just directly on my bow arm elbow and it's pretty so it's pretty stiff right now, but um I've been icing a lot, some ibuprofens and, and whatnot, so i'll have a break now till till I get there and hopefully I can shoot when I get there. So, um, but you know, as far as prep beforehand, you know, I, I was definitely shooting every day, uh, one way or another, even if it's just, just draw holds, you know, cause you know, with that, with that bare bow it, draw holds do help tremendously. Uh, I think, you know, especially, you know, when it makes, when you shoot enough to where everything you do is just pretty natural feeling, um, it makes everything so much easier you know, like if you don't have to think about what you got to do next, or, you know, like a lot of people I know, they have, you know, a shot process, which I think is super important. But if you got 15 steps in that process that you're trying to remember, well, it's just super hard to remember, you know, so, you know, I normally have the, I probably have the goofiest process of anyone and it's three steps and I'm done, you know, but I shoot enough to where the rest of it's, you know, natural to me, you know, so I don't, I don't set my feet like I don't uh move my head I don't do any of that stuff it's just all that stuff pretty natural
2: do you use your drawing exercises in it basically is that like the bare boat equivalent of a blank bale, or do you do a little bit of blank bailing too just for the reps
1: yep no I will do some blank bail work um for yeah. sure and and I, I do that with aiming involved I'll either put a target up or I'll I'll get a Sharpie and I'll, you know, I got some of those blob targets. Um, I I don't even know where you get them. Actually. I bought them from a guy in Illinois, but um, they're it's like some really cool rubber that takes a ton of arrows, but I put a Sharpie mark on them, you know, and I'll shoot almost point blank, Um, you know, and I'll just practice aiming off of that. And I'll, you know, so I'll run through my whole process and then, you know, shoot at that rather than having to shoot down range or whatever you know because I can actually shoot that blank bill in my house if I wanted to my wife uh didn't care about the noise
2: i like to maximize the shots to walking ratio so
1: for sure yeah i,
2: I was going to say for anybody that hasn't it might be new to bear bow hasn't shot a tournament with their bear bow yet when it's practice in time you know, guys might shoot three; they might shoot five. If you're bare bow it's a minimum twenty-four arrows downrange <laughs> in, in two and a half minutes. I mean, there better be a there better be a stack. The I mean, they're stacked in there wide as a dinner plate. At you know twenty yards. So is that is that something that's like a street cred thing? Do you have to shoot all all thirty six of your arrows on the, every practice end Because I've seen Spanky down there shoot no less than forty arrows in every practice end Is that you know? Uh, I
1: actually it's super common. I think, and I think it's a rite of passage for for a lot of people. <laughs> I'm not sure, but um to be honest with you, I only shoot five arrows. I'll only, I'll only shoot five. And whenever, I'm when we're done with our practice ends, I put two of those up. That way I don't shoot more arrows than I'm supposed to, because I've done that too. So it's, it's too easy to do. And, uh, especially like outdoor stuff, you know, where you're shooting six arrows, if you got eight arrows there, like it's, it's easy to lose track of what you're doing. But, um, (laughs) to answer your question, I I think, um, people just like shooting, shooting their bow.
2: I got you. I got you. Say, I, if it was me personally, I'd probably have a miss in there and shoot that seventh, and nobody'd ever know about it. Yeah. <laughs> just,
1: <laughs> I'm sure that's happened.
2: We'll, we'll just go back and look for it the next day. They don't mow till yeah. Tuesday, so yeah, you got <laughs> all Monday to look for your errors. They mow on Tuesday, Wednesday, so you know you got that 48 hour window to catch it before the mower blade finds it. Yeah. Um, well, I I really just wanted to kind of pick your brain on on what it's like to manage. Expectations going into the big shoots because we got we got two left. It's indoor season, you know. Three if you go to indoor nationals. Everybody's been practicing. You've had good scores. You've had bad scores. What do you tell yourself when you get up there? You know, I mean, how do you how do you stay confident but but still shoot relaxed?
1: So, man, something I do is I I just don't worry about the score, and and I definitely don't worry about the arrow that I I just shot, regardless of how it scored, whether it was an eleven or or an X or ten or whatever or a six, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. So I, I just try to get over all the what whatever it was and just take each arrow at a time, you know, just like it sets. So, you know, really in the expectation thing is um, if if you don't go into it worrying about score, I don't think you're gonna have nearly as bad a problem. But if like I said earlier, if if you go into it and you're like, okay, you know, I'm normally like say a 270 shooter, but I'm gonna try and shoot a two eighty today, well More than likely, that's not going to happen. You know, I mean, I'm not saying it won't happen, but um, nine times out of ten, it's definitely not going to. So, um, you know, worrying about score is not something that I ever – you know, I could actually keep score, and by the end of the tournament, I have no idea what my score is. And I don't know how I do that, but maybe it's because I'm terrible at math. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. But uh, that's – you know, that's the way I look at it. I think if you're – If all you're doing is focusing on the score of it, you know, which obviously that matters, but it don't matter till the end, you know, especially in trad or barebow or or things like that. In compound, you know, it's a little more difficult, I think, because you know, if you drop one, you're you're kind of kind of out, you know, most of the time. But um, that is a to me that would be the hardest thing about shooting, you know, compound is man that would be mind numbing. Knowing that if you're just barely out, you know, on one arrow, then it's over, you know, so hard. That would be, that would be harder than any of our stuff because you could shoot a three in our stuff and you could you could still win, you know, it's not impossible, you know, at that point. So, um, you know, there's that part of it too. So for a lot of compound people, I think that have switched over to bare bow, um, or even from Olympic, that's what makes it more fun is you can screw up and there's still a chance, you know, I mean, so, and I think that may be why it's growing so quickly uh, because of that, you know, it doesn't just put you out.
2: Yeah. And I've, I've seen the absolute top of the line competition fling one, you know, six, eight inches off the paper. It it, it happens. It's just part of the game and everybody behind you yells bare bow. And it's yeah. like, ah, I didn't know if that was a, if that, I didn't understand if that was kosher or if that was expected, but when you, you see it at the highest level there, um, you know, the announcers are saying, Oh, maybe Matt will have a bare bow arrow next here. Immediately shoots an 11 after that. And they're like, well, that idea is out. So it was, yeah. it, it, was it was the absolute clinic you put on last year. Um, hoping you, hoping you have good luck towards a repeat. Um, I just, it's it's absolutely fascinating to see the sports' fastest-growing division uh, performed at the highest
0: level. Yeah, man, it was cool. It'll be it'll be fun regardless. I I'm not sure what to say, how to comment. I don't know what what all's been talked about. I've been in and out so much on this podcast. Uh, so y'all keep going. You're doing fine. <laughs>
2: say so, Matt, tell shout out any uh shout your sponsors out shout your buddies out anybody you want to say hey to anybody you want to thank um i know it takes a takes a village to support you in this kind of thing so take a, take yeah, a
1: second you know, yeah hoyt's done a pretty good job at, at helping me out you know and kind of looking me up with a bow and everything and uh and just helping everything else out what do you got you got to Oh, you showing me your jacket? Oh yeah, buddy. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, but you that's know, honestly, comments. man, the the guy that's helped me the most is you know Guy Haslam uh, for sure. You know he's he's the one who got me into this whole thing. Um, so you know he's definitely been my biggest help
0: on on any of it. Do you Our, have a Facebook I'll, page or anything like that that people can follow you on?
1: Man, I don't have Facebook, and I'll be uh, real honest with you. I don't know what my Instagram is. Uh, <laughs> that's what I do have, but um, I'm sure if you just typed in Matt Hudson, it would pop up. Okay.
2: I remember about three years ago, maybe maybe a little longer, Bobby Graham out at Tulsa Archery. And if you don't know Bobby Graham, y'all are missing out. He's been doing it for years, and he's just a trad shooter. And it was right after Matt and Guy had, had left the trad discipline to try the bow thing out. Bobby Graham, he probably was 84, 83, 84 years old at that point. He might be 85 now. I don't know. He's been he, he he's been that old my whole life. He looks over at him. He goes, they're string walking. Oh, look at him. They're string walking. It was like they were practicing devil magic of some kind to see that. I mean, and Bobby Graham, he's one anything you can name under the sun in the traditional division i mean he's he's been at the top for decades and decades and seeing seeing the transition to barebow is like oh man these kids and the crap they do just couldn't couldn't believe it like oh man shout out to bobby graham i don't know if he's i don't know if he's a podcast listener or not but he's a he's an absolute treasure to be around
1: oh yeah for sure good fella
2: well, well, I don't, have. Yeah. I, I mean, it's been, edu- it's been an education. Honestly, I, I feel like I know just a little bit more about it. Um, my wife's been shooting a little more bare bow this winter and she's like, why did it do that? And I was like, I have no idea. I, I, <coughs> <laughs> try, try, so trying to help somebody that's that's just getting into bare bow is has been the biggest struggle for me and i i feel like the more of y'all there are and the better you get it kind of it kind of pulls the rest of us up just a little bit because if it wasn't for joe goodwin and and tom stevenson i wouldn't have i don't know just aim to the right i guess a little bit don't don't shoot it there is the best advice i can give (laughs) i mean let's uh i know know you got to get i know you got to get back to your day um what's the best thing you can tell somebody that's that's just starting out in bare bow you know what's the best advice you can give it might be mechanical it might be mental what would you tell them
1: um really neither one of those man the the best advice i'd give you is find somebody that knows how to shoot that that can kind of at least prove how they're shooting you know um and and maybe not you know world record scores but just that have a good grasp on it and shoot shoot well that know the know the game there and try to get with them and have them help you because man the learning curve was cut um by 80 percent. you know whenever i met guy or or i know known guy i'm a long time but whenever he started helping me even when we went to barebow he didn't know anything about it but he was a really good longbow guy so he just had a really good It's the same thing, essentially. You know, I mean, really, really, really similar. So, finding somebody that can help, you know, is going to be more, you know, productive than anything else over equipment, over anything. I mean, there are some good, good videos online now, and there are some bad videos online. So, it's hard to pick the difference. But, you know, like Jake Kaminsky on YouTube is a really, really good, um, and I know he doesn't compete or any of that, but he knows archery and he knows those kind of bows really really well so he's a good one to get a hold of like barebow project stuff you know or you know and i don't mind answering any questions for anybody either so you know i don't know my instagram to tell anybody but there you go neil's
0: got my number so, <laughs> so cool. neil's got a few numbers i believe in his phone <laughs> yeah
2: yeah it, it's it's been blowing up a few times here here recently mostly people want to call and complain about the ASA it's a full it's a full-time it's a full-time <laughs> occupation fielding uh questions concerns and 92 percent complaints but it's it, it's a sport where you meet good people you have fun and I think the barebow guys are having the most fun I've not seen very many of them you know leave the range mad where you know compound you fling one in the eight ring it's like well my weekend's over I'm just gonna you know, sulk and frown the rest of the weekend and that kind of, I mean, the barebow people are hanging out, they're rooming together, they're traveling together. It seems like every one of them is, uh, a, a, either friends with somebody there or a very welcoming community. Whereas you don't always see that on the compound side of things. You got a bunch of, you know, stoic killers that think that they're the best thing since sliced bread and barebow guys. Hey, mine landed on the papers. Good day. And it just, I think it does, it does more for the sport in my opinion.
0: Yep. Well, cool. For sure. Well, all right, everybody, we appreciate you. And I wanted to throw this in here at the end. If a lot of people don't know this yet, but you can pick up this podcast everywhere, but Google podcast is changing. It is going away. So if you listen to Google podcast in March of this year, you're going to have to switch over and YouTube podcast is going to take its place. So just be aware coming up here pretty quick. um, We still are on all of them and we're making our due diligence to get this thing over to the YouTube podcast. So just want to let everyone know that. And that's all I've got folks.
2: Y'all be good. Be safe. If you're traveling up there and uh, Matt, I think thank you very much for sitting down with us today. I really
0: going to be rooting for you this year. Yeah, man. No, thanks for having me, Man, Thanks a lot. All right. I'll go back and listen to the care. podcast so I know what's going on. <laughs> All right. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Thank you.